promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 146. Hallelujah. My soul praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. Do not trust in nobles, in a son of man who cannot save. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the ground. On that day, his plans die. Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever, executing justice for the exploited and giving food to the hungry. The Lord frees prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects resident aliens and helps the fatherless and the widow, and he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Zion, your God, reigns for all generations. Alleluia. Amen. Our reading today comes from Ezekiel. Chapter 1, beginning at the 15th verse. When I looked at the living creatures, there was one wheel on the ground beside each of the four-faced creatures. The appearance of the wheels and their craftsmanship was like the gleam of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. Their appearance and craftsmanship was like a wheel within a wheel. When they moved, they went in any of the four directions without turning as they moved. Their rims were tall and awe-inspiring. Each of their four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels moved beside them, and when the creatures rose from the earth, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, the creatures went in the direction the spirit was moving. The wheels rose alongside them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, the wheels moved. When the creatures stopped, the wheels stopped. And when the creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose alongside them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures, the likeness of an expanse was spread out. It gleamed like awe-inspiring crystal. And under the expanse, their wings extended one toward another. They each also had two wings covering their bodies. When they moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of a huge torrent, like the voice of the Almighty, and a sound of tumult like the noise of an army. When they stopped, they lowered their wings. A voice came from above the expanse over their heads when they stopped. They lowered their wings. Suddenly, like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli, was above the expanse over their heads. On the throne high above was someone who looked like a human. From what seemed to be his waist up, I saw a gleam like amber with what looked like fire enclosing it all around. From what seemed to be his waist down, I also saw what looked like fire. There was a brilliant light all around him. The appearance of the brilliant light all around was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. When I saw it, I fell face down and heard a voice speaking. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we are slowly moving our way through Ezekiel. And we've done 
two two days so far, and we're now just getting done with chapter one. I'm sorry, <laughs> but but uh, this chapter is one of these weird, crazy chapters where you get done, and it's almost like reading the Book of Revelation, right? There's so many things, or the Book of Daniel. There's so much in there within this this notion of prophecy, these these visions, this weird sort of stuff, this otherworldly stuff. And part of what we have to hold on to when we read this is that some of the stuff we're just not going to understand because it is otherworldly. It's outside of us. It's not part of our uh, repertoire of thinking. It is it is it is something that that. Uh, grasps the mind, right? Like you, you catch on to it. It, it holds your attention. And yet it is so strange to even be able to put into pictures in your head. So I, I normally, when I teach, uh, like with my youth, especially, I love to do this with the youth group, but, I, but I've done it with, with other age groups as well. Asking the question, what do you see? What do you smell? What, what do you hear? All these things. And that's one of those games that we can play with this text, right? What do you see? Well, I see these creatures that, that I can't even imagine what they look like because they're, they're not anything natural. So there's something supernatural about them. But then also, uh, I, I hear these, these wings fluttering. It's like here in, here in Ridgecrest, we have dumpster chickens, these gigantic uh, crows or ravens or whatever. They are huge. And I'll be sitting at uh, the end of my, my son's soccer practice to pick him up. And I, I will be walking out to the field to just watch them finish up and help him collect his stuff and come back. And nine times out of 10, there are crows everywhere. And you'll hear them take off from one of the buildings. And you hear there's this whoosh, whoosh, whoosh of these wings, this, this whooshing sound. And so in some ways, I, I hear that as, I, as I'm reading this. The smell for me is sort of like the smell of incense. Uh, if you've ever been to a Catholic service where they've used incense or, or been in one of those those sort of hippie-esque shops, right, that they'll have the incense uh, burning, this, this smell that, that gives it almost a sacred scent to it. Um, and then this, the bright light, this bright fire, Almost this picture of how it used to be when we lived in Minnesota, where we'd have fires almost every night uh, during the summer. My wife loved having uh, a, a fire in the in the backyard in our fire pit, and it would be, you know, darker than dark by ten thirty, and we're out there with the fire, and all you have is this fire and and this gleam, and you can just see it bouncing off the faces of our kids and 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 her and that that sense, right? So. This is part of that game that you can play when you read the scriptures. Allow your senses to be part of it because it opens up the text a little bit more for you. Well, coming back to our text, though, he, he's seen these creatures, right? These, uh, and, and, and we, we almost are getting a repeat of some things. Like last week, we heard that it said that, uh, that the creatures moved where the spirit wanted them to go. And we're, we're going to hear here that even the wheels that are connected to the, to the creatures they go in the direction that the spirit drives them or, or the wind or, or the breath, this, this living force that moves them and that we have no control over, right? Because it says here, when I looked at the living creatures, there was one wheel on the ground beside each of the four creatures. So there's this wheel 
and it's this appearance of of barrel and, and all four had the same likeness their appearance and craftsmanship was like a wheel within a wheel i i tend to see this one wheel moving in one direction another wheel moving in another direction but the senses based on what a lot of the commentators say is this idea that it would always be moving straight ahead even if it uh, moved to the right it was moving straight ahead in the direction that it was meant to go there would be no turning of the wheels you would have these wheels that would move it in every direction necessary meaning that that there was no indecision in what it is that God was going to do that that these these wheels and these creatures and what was going to be happening was settled what <laughs> was the sense that that you can gather that that there is no wishy-washiness here right um and then uh I I love that their rims were tall and awe-inspiring. That's how the Christian Standard Bible reads. It it can actually be sort of fearsome, that there's something sort of fearful about these wheels. Uh, But it says that each of their four rims were full of eyes all around. So on both sides of these wheels, sort of like bike wheels almost, there's just eyes everywhere. The sense of the watchfulness of God, that, that God is not blind to what it is that he is doing or that is happening around him but that he sees and he knows, but it's sort of this eerie sense of it, that, that, that God is uh, not only watching and seeing, but he's with his purposefulness. It's not like he just unleashed hell, uh, in the, as part of the Babylonians upon, um, upon Israel, upon Judah and didn't, think twice about it and just walked away it was purposeful work that he was doing and then and then it talks about how uh there that these these wheels have life in them that that the creatures if they if, if when the living creatures moved the wheels moved beside them and when the creatures rose from the earth the wheels also rose that the the wheels are connected to the living work of god uh, that that's happening within this sort of chariot, or or as Paul Zoll, uh, 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 Episcopal priest, t- says it, this flying saucer <laughs> is how he talks about it. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, the creatures went in the direction the spirit was moving. The wheels rose alongside them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. That there's God's will behind this, God's working. It's a, it's a repetitive thing. You find this a lot in in the in the um, scriptures as far as prophecy is concerned. Make, making sure that you understand that this is true, that this is that this is settled, that it is certain. Uh, when the creatures moves, moved, the wheels moved. When the creatures stopped, the wheels stopped. And when the creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose alongside them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. It's, this is the third time now that we've heard basically the same thing. It is saying that nothing is going to change about what it is that these wheels and these creatures and this chariot and this working of God is going to be. Now we get into sort of this revelation type stuff, right? Over the heads of living creatures. The likeness of an expanse was spread out. It seemed like awe-inspiring crystal. And, and under the expanse, their wings extended one toward the other. They each also had two wings covering their bodies. Again, there's the expanse. It almost comes back to that, 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 that word uh, used 
in creation, right, where, where God is talking about how he separates one expanse from the other, this, this uh, creating of the skies and the heavens and the earth, um, and, and having this expanse, this separation taking place, that it is that, that above this chariot is the separation of, of you have um, this godly thing happening upon earth, and God is coming with it, and yet even still there is a separation between God and man for right now. I say that for right now because we all know Jesus comes and God says, okay, I'm going to be present in the world. And, but then it says um, about them covering their bodies that with their wings, like, like I talked about last week, that's that sort of similar to Isaiah 6 where you have the cherubim flying around God and he's, they've got covering their face and covering their feet. And with two they flew, it talks about in Isaiah 6. Here there's sort of the sense of, of um, modesty about it, right? And modesty, which is a, a weird topic to talk about in today's society, because if anything, we're the most immodest <laughs> of all, right? Um, but then verse 24, when they moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of a huge torrent. I'm hearing those crow's wings again, those raven's wings, like the voice of the almighty coming in this movement that, that, that God's voice is speaking and saying, go, and it's coming out in the, in the form of the moving of those wings. And what is that movement? What is that voice? What does it sound like? He says it here, a sound of tumult, like the noise of an army. What did we talk about last week for this first major part of this vision? was that God was saying that there was going to be this tumult, this army coming from the north of Babylon to bring destruction. And that this is now connected to the voice of God. It, it goes along with what we hear in the second half of Isaiah, where, where uh, Cyrus, for instance, uh, who the, the Persian, the Mede, is talked about as the servant of the Lord. That it is that in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar uh, of, of Babylon is talked about as this one whom, whom God has used to subjugate the earth. That, that God will use who God will use, and it doesn't matter whether they're some sort of religious zealot or not. He, he uh, has people in this world to, to work through because that's all he has, and he's going to do it. When they stopped, they lowered their wings as, as sort of like, okay, almost like um, standing at attention, standing at attention there. And so we have this marching army coming that, that it is coming guided by the voice of the Lord, proclaimed, preached to, to go and do the work that God has called it to do. And then it says, a voice came from above the expanse over their heads. When they stopped, they lowered their wings. Again, repetitive, but it's okay. And so there's this continuous voice coming from the expanse, right? And now we get a picture of what is up above on this expanse. Something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli was above the expanse over the heads. On the throne high above was someone who looked like a human. Not a human, but someone who looked like like a human. Well, when we hear that word, shouldn't we possibly be thinking of a, a particular human? Do you think a particular God, man, Jesus Christ, maybe let's turn to revelation chapter, uh, chapter one, really quick revelation chapter one. 
because we get a similar picture here for us, right? Beginning at verse 12 in Revelation chapter 1. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. Hold on to that image for a second. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand. A sharp, double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Now, now, holding on to that image, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and hear this description. On the throne, high above, was someone who looked like a human. From what seemed to be his waist up, I saw a gleam like amber, with what looked like fire enclosing it all around. For what seemed to be his waist down, I also saw what looked like fire. There was a brilliant light all around him. The appearance of the brilliant light all around was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was, an, this was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. Similar imagery, right? Some commentators will say that when John was writing Revelation, or they'll say whoever was writing Revelation, I hold on to the tradition that it was John, that he borrowed a lot from Ezekiel. Or could it just be that the appearance of the Lord in his glory, particularly Jesus Christ, in, in sort of a fleshy human appearance, is similar that it's just going to be described a little bit differently but here uh, in revelation it's talking about brilliant light and fiery flame and and bronze and all these things here it's amber and fire and brilliant light our jesus showing up in ezekiel as the one seated upon the throne as though it is that as it is with god that that time means nothing god is above time and so it is that christ in Ezekiel, he's already seated on the throne, just like he is seated now. <laughs> That's a crazy thing, right? And that it is that then God also, though, uses time historically to come in and say, I'm going to do a particular work through my son to bring salvation. Here, God is saying, I'm going to do a particular work in a particular time to bring about repentance of my people. That's, that's what's going to happen through this conquest of Jerusalem, is this desire for repentance of his people. Uh, also, I, I love this image of the brilliant light. It, it, it calls back to the transfiguration, where Christ becomes a brilliant white, and brilliant light shines all around him. And this cloud descends, and the voice of the Lord speaks. This similar imagery of the Son of, this, this, this son of God seated upon the throne. Then I also like the image of the rainbow, right, on a cloudy day that should hearken you back to Noah and the promises of God that God will never destroy the earth again. That this, this should be a, a message of hope to the Israelites and it should be a message of hope to us saying that, yes, punishment is going to come to you through the Babylonians, but it's not going to be such a punishment that the Lord is going to destroy the world, that he's going to destroy you, that he's going to wipe you off the face of the earth because he still holds to his promise and he's embedded that that uh, covenant of Noah 
into the imagery in which he shows up to have this brilliant light like a rainbow there so that he's reminded and you are reminded that he made a promise that it is that even though he is promising that he is going to destroy Jerusalem and he's going to destroy the temple it's not going to be utterly destroyed that it is that there's going to be a resurrection that is going to come and and we'll see that later on when we get to talking about the dry bones and and the new heart and and all of those things but this is that picture of the the glory of the lord showing forth and then what happens here just like in revelation john falls down on his face here too ezekiel falls down on his face that there is this uh for us in this chapter should be giving us the supernatural view of god that god is otherworldly for us and it should cause us to fall face down in, in an image of worship in an image of humiliation in an image of devotion to the lord knowing that we are nothing and he is all things that is the hope and the praise and the glory that we should be having in in our lord that we should be handing over to him knowing that even even when he works some difficulties in the world even even when he's going to be doing some repenting of us some some turning us back to him and it's not going to be fun even though uh, it's not fun it is still his working in us to transform us to do this amazing um, amazing uh, transformation in us to make sure that we know that we are his and he is ours let us pray Lord, we beseech thee to keep thy household, the church, in continual godliness. Through thy protection it may be free from all adversities and devoutly given to serve thee in good works. To the glory of thy name, through thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, I hope that you are enjoying the study we're doing through Ezekiel. Um, trying to find Jesus there, trying to find grace there, trying to find where the mercy of the Lord is coming through. That even in the hardest times and the persecutions of our lives, we know that God is working to redeem us and to save us and to keep us in his fold. I pray that you would uh, be touched by this, but please also share this with others. Uh, As we always say every week, that, that we might share this message of hope and mercy and grace that comes to us through God. Uh, Well, blessings to you as you go throughout your week. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.